We'll go ahead and start the meeting at this time. Kent, can you uh, tell us the alternates, please? Yep. One day we'll get the key. So we've got Eleanor Dilks here uh, in instead of Kingsley Botchway with Iowa City, and we've got Dottie Maher uh, taking the place of Louise Fromm from University Heights. Good. Welcome. welcome. The minutes are before you. Anyone wish to make a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 All opposed? Motion carries. Setting board meeting date, time, and location suggested date is September 19th. How does that hold with people? Yes. Perfect. Okay, September 19th, uh, North Liberty will be hosting. Same time, same place. <laughs> Not this same time. Not this place, <laughs> but same time. Number two. Um, any public discussion of an item that is not on the agenda? Um, can I be, even though I'm on the board on this, can I also be a member of the public to yeah. ask an item not on the agenda? I don't know why not. Sure. Okay. Um, it goes to something we discussed last time, and it is the rail study. And we've had some communication from you about that. And um, I was asked to get a little bit more information so one of the things was that the overall cost of phase three was 33,800. Is that including the 18,000 from the rails to trails or are those two separate? They're, they're two separate projects. So just to get everybody up to speed, um, we've been giving, I think everybody knows this, but we've been giving you updates on the Crandick passenger rail study now for uh, several years, I think, ongoing. Um, and then also at your uh, last board meeting, um, we also just, or two board meetings ago, we also discussed the fact that there was some interest in also having a preliminary trail study, like a rails to trail study. I'm calling it kind of an auxiliary study. Um, it has a separate scope and fee just because um, the consultant had already moved forward with the, the rail study. Um, I sent out a email to each of the individual entities uh, administrators, I believe on Monday of this Monday of last week, maybe it was, recently anyway, um, asking for participation. So funding participation for those two studies. Um, the total funding amount that was asked for was $10,000 and that, 10,000 and, and change, and that included both the rail study and the trail study. So that's together. Correct. So, so the ask from each individual entity was the total of the two together. And it was 10,000 and some odd dollars. So we discussed this this morning and um, there was a concern that um, doing the, the rails to trails study at the same time as you're doing this, that unless you're looking at right of way next alongside it, alongside the rail that you might kind of be canceling out what you're trying to do with. Right. Yep. So, so, so the, what are yeah. we looking at specifically with the rails to trails? Yeah, so the, the, the rail study sort of um, came out of discussions between Iowa City, the university, and the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, the MPO really wasn't a part of the original sort of discussion. And I think, Lisa, the way that went was if either we don't want to participate in a rail study ever or if we don't want to participate or excuse me we don't want to implement rail ever or if we don't want to implement rail within the next 20 years you know what do we do with that asset in the meantime so i think that's the idea of the rail study is okay what under what circumstances would the trail actually fit within the rail right-of-way um, what are the regulatory measures that would have to be taken? Who owns the property? You know, so on and so forth. So I don't think it's meant to supplant the idea that the rail would ever be implemented, the passenger rail. I think it's literally just meant to say, okay, you know, the chances of the passenger rail not occurring in the immediate future are, are real, you know? And I think the idea was just to say, okay, if that doesn't happen, how do we preserve that corridor rather than just let it sit idle? Um, right now, uh, and, and it could change in the future, but right now my understanding is the only customer Crandick has south of North Liberty is uh, Stutzman's and Hills. And um, my understanding is that Crandick's been relatively open that that's not something that has to continue, that Stutzman's could uh, put, their, put their goods on trucks just as easily, and that's something that Crandick could provide as well, so. 
um, then there was the question of how the amount was arrived at because you've listed, um, well, I think it might be in something else, but you listed several entities, but then the ask was almost a third. There were more than three entities in there. So how was the, um, the number arrived at? Yep. Yeah. So the funding breakdown is the same as what we've done for phase one and two of the passenger rail study where the Iowa DOT pays for a third, the Cranick Railroad is paying for a third, and then local entities have to make up the last third. So that's for the rail study. <clears throat> the last third of the rail study, the local portion was uh, $33,000 and, and change, I think. The trail study, however, um, the DOT can't fund because they're funding the, the funding pool they're using is for rail studies only, so they can't fund it. And Crandick chose not to participate. I think they just saw that as a local interest, and, and I don't think they had, uh, okay. they weren't adamantly opposed to funding it. I think they just said it's a small enough amount. This came out of the local governments, so let's just let the local governments pay for it. And then, Lisa, the last thing I would say was <clears throat> the entities we're asking to pay for anything at all is Johnson County, Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, and the university. We've not asked uh, in the past, and we did not ask this time for Tiffin or University Heights to help fund, just because in the last two studies, the funding amount would have been really small. We were getting down into, you know, a thousand or two thousand dollars, and then arguably um, they have the least to gain, I think, from either study. So we just left it at the five biggest MPO entities. Okay, so there we go back to the arithmetic. I just want to make sure I got mm -hmm. this right. So the 10,469 includes both the phase three and the rails to trails. Um, but if you took out the rails to trails, then our portion would be um, of, of that one third that remains, it's one fifth of that one third, so a 15th of it. $6,760. Thank you, yep, that's correct. Okay, okay. so then the other 4,000 goes to the rails to trails. Correct. Okay, now it makes sense. It's just numbers. Yeah, it was roughly <laughs> roughly seven thousand, give or take, okay. for the rail study, and about three thousand. Thank for you. The That's rail where study. it wasn't give making sense, and it wasn't adding up, and and they asked for clarification on that. Yep. And then I think I had one more. Um, what's there another? You were listening. What was the other thing? <laughs> I wasn't. I was barely I awake. See what my notes say. Um, well, I think that's all. Yeah, and the, yeah, no problem. The last thing I would say, and we can discuss, you know, any other questions you have. Um, the last thing I would say is that currently, uh, I forget when I sent the email out, but it's been within the last week. Um, Iowa City and Coralville uh, both indicated they'd participate, and then we've we have not heard from the other entities, which some have questions. So that's well, that's understandable. And it's and it's been very quick turnaround. But um, Coralville and Iowa City, I think we're we're in immediately. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you have to think about it, we'll bring it up under other business. That's right. Oh, if I, if I think I got it all, but I'll double check. <laughs> well, I just want to give you a chance. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you that. I'm sorry. Transportation planning staff presentation for the fiscal year 19 through 22 MPLJC Transportation Improvement Program. Take it away. Yeah, I'm Brad Newman, Assistant Transportation Planner. Um, this, of course, is our annual transportation <coughs> improvement program. This is the FY19 to 22 uh, version. Uh, you remember at your last meeting, uh, you approved the draft TIP list of our projects for both surface transportation and uh, transit. Uh, and those have not changed. Uh, sometimes we hear from DOT and they take things out, move things around, but uh, everything is, is good as of now. So, so that has not changed. Um, and just a reminder, all the projects that are in the list, um, if they were not completed in FY18, they're moved over to FY19 automatically. Uh, we also add 4% uh, to the total project cost, not the amount that we funded them at, but just the total project cost. Uh, and that's for inflation. Um, we also added the University Heights Melrose Avenue project, uh, and that is programmed in FY22. Uh, you remember we funded that a couple years ago, but we could only, the way the TIP goes, you can only get so many projects in the four years, so that was out, the out year. Well, now it's the out year, so it, it, it will be in the, the 22, as will North Liberty's Highway 965 project, which I think is the last phase for 965. 
Close. We're close. Um, and of course, these were awarded by the board last spring. Uh, and like I said, they're programmed for FY22, so you'll find those in the document. All IODOT projects uh, that are taking place in our planning area are also included in our TIP. Uh, and those are by DOT's request, so they just automatically show up in the system. Um, but we have to approve those as well. Um, all projects under contract with the DOT. Uh, and I think we've eliminated, I think, five projects from the last TIP that are either completed or underway. So once uh, projects under contract with DOT and the construction begins, we remove it from the TIP. Um, and as you're aware, of course, changes to the FAST Act last year delayed the awarding of any TAP money uh, for any projects. We have now since scheduled that for next spring to coincide with the STBG funding round. Uh, so we'll be doing that in the spring. So we should have four years worth of funding for TAP. We usually do it every two years. We skip that sec this, this second round or this first round. So now we'll have about four years worth. And just to remind you, you did opt out of the federal aid swap program with the DOT. So all local projects will continue to be programmed uh, and completed as they have in the past. Um, of course, board, you'll revisit this issue again uh, whether you opt in or out uh, next spring. Uh, that's just an annual thing we'll have to do for DOT. So um, other than the program or the project list, um, I'm sure you all read the TIP from front to back, so there'd be a quiz. No, just um, I just wanted to go over some of the things that are in the TIP other than the project list. Uh, we have project status reports, and those are for both local and DOT projects. Uh, we identify regionally significant projects that are programmed in the TIP. Um, the MPO's public input process is included. Uh, that's something the board approved last September. We updated our public improvement program, or public input program. Uh, the MPO's uh, project selection procedures, uh, which we use for SDBG and TAP uh, funding, uh, is also included. Uh, fiscal constraint review of the TIP. Uh, this is something DOT and the federal government has really been pushing and all our documents is fiscal constraints, so they just want to make sure we have enough money to cover the projects we have in our TIP. Uh, fiscal analysis of all the transit projects. Uh, this was done for the Federal Transit Administration. Uh, and then we have statements regarding performance-based planning, uh, which is something that's kind of new to the TIP. Uh, and I think we'll be discussing more of those later on uh, in the agenda. Uh, the MPO did publish a TIP public hearing notice 30 days ago uh, and the agencies on our public input um, process uh, were notified uh, and there has been no comments uh, to date. So staff is requesting approval of the uh, final FY19 to 22 TIP. We'd be happy to answer any questions before the public hearing. Any questions? I just have Terry, the, the timing of these projects, how set in stone are these? This is my kind of my, my first full year of uh, this process. I know that sometimes they can be swapped out. Uh, some projects can be moved around. How set in stone are these timelines or these, these budgeted years? They're set in stone when they're, the year they're programmed. Now you can do okay. them later, but to do them sooner, you'll have, to, you'll have to either swap money out that you have programmed earlier or you'll have to have someone else be willing to move their project back. Okay. So it's, it, we're pretty limited um, in where we can put these just based on when we get the money. Okay. Uh, and, and the program costs. So you can only put so much in the first year. We have target amounts that we have to work with and we can't go over those, so. Okay. And then can you refresh my, um, my memory on how these timings uh, these of uh, these projects were uh, arrived at then you have a committee obviously there's a there's a group of you that work with this what's that process then Bes besides the amount of money that's set aside each year how do you prioritize um when these projects will go off then well um every two years you know, we have two years worth of target funding uh, we ask the member agencies to submit the projects uh, staff reviews those we score those and it comes to the board uh, the board, and the scoring is just a tool they can use. They can move them around any way they want. Uh, 
uh, and then the board approves the funding amounts, and then we pro based on the amount, uh, we program in basically a two-year slot okay. uh, in the TIP. So you can only, if you're getting a uh, million dollars a year, you can only program a million dollars in that first year, and then everything else has to go in the second. Um, sometimes you can get advanced instruction, but it's rare with DOT, and you have to have a pretty good reason to, to move it out. And I know Corville just did, did one with their first avenue. They got two rounds of funding in two different years, and they were allowed to move it all up advanced uh, into the first year program. So all of this, uh, this input then for you is coming from the cities then on the project specifically. So our city planners or administrators would have been involved in, in helping to provide the, the, the details on these projects and, and to try to push them into the time frame. And, and they're all aware of kind of the time frame. Okay. You're looking four years down the road when you get awarded this money. Yeah. Uh, so they're aware of that. It's a, it's a competitive grant application, Chris, so certainly um, any, it, it varies year to year, but I would say, um, you know, we're funding maybe maybe half the projects if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, and the board has always uh, historically chosen to fund um, bigger projects, I would say, or more expensive projects, however you want to look at it. Um, the rationale being they want to get projects completed. Yeah. So if there's a million dollar project, you know, we can only fund up to 80%. That's our that's our uh, federal rule. But typically we're not funding at 80%. We're probably funding more, I'd say average around maybe 60% of the total projects. Yeah. Um, and then in the actual grant uh, agreement that we have, we actually have city administration sign off that they have committed to the additional funding. Yeah. Because like we are discussing, uh, once you know, funding has to be programmed in the TIP for you to move forward with a project, a federal project. And if you are awarded funding but don't use that, obviously that's a problem for other communities because uh, the funding is scarce and there's other communities with projects they want to move forward with and can. So, right. um, so we have the administration sign off that yes, you know, we have the funding currently in place or we'll have it in place by the time uh, that project's okay. comes to fruition. Okay. Um, you know, I think in recent history, Brad's right, <clears throat> typically you don't get advance uh, funding, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think in recent history we've received advanced funding from the DOT I think twice, and that's in the last decade or so. It, it's pretty hard to come by, and typically, as Brad mentioned, it's only if you get funding two years or two funding cycles sort of back-to-back, -back. sometimes then they'll allow you to pool all that money in the first uh, year in the gotcha. TIP, but it's, it's tough to get, and I think it's maybe becoming even a little bit more difficult. Okay. Funding, funding's tight, you know, it has, yeah. so what happens is, you know, we have our, um, our bank of money, so to speak, and if there's not funding in there, they literally have to borrow that then from somebody else's bank and put it back later. So it's, you know, it's, it's hard for them to, to do that. And, and I guess, I, you know, speaking from this position as all of us, um, as entities up here, it's, it's a balance of that. And, and specifically in North Liberty, the project, you, you joked about this being the last phase of 965, we're probably still four or five phases from being completed. So um, that this doesn't get funding for four more years is uh, a little bit concerning from a North Liberty standpoint. So, yeah. okay. Thank you. Yeah, and <clears throat> to further on how the just the process works too is that um, it does ultimately come to the board, and we'll even be coming to this board uh, late fall to talk about our scoring criteria. Uh, we always want to make sure that criteria is in line with everybody's wishes and desires, so we'll be doing that as soon as uh, probably our November meeting. Okay. Um, from there, then uh, you know we get the grant applications. It's competitive. We we score them internally, but then we take them through the technical advisory committee as well. So all the engineers and planners that worked for your respective entities to, to submit those projects have a chance to argue their score, uh, either for more or less points, or sort of how it, it shakes out in the ranking. Okay. Then once they're comfortable with the scores and the funding recommendation, then we bring that to the board for final consideration. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anything else, sir? All, All right, thank you. Now's the time for a public hearing in regards to the fiscal year 19 through 22 transportation improvement program. Anyone <laughs> wishing to make comment? Anyone wishing to make comment? Hearing none, close the public hearing. Consider resolution adopting the fiscal 19 through 22 transportation improvement plan for the Iowa City urbanized area and authorizing the MPO chairperson to sign associated documents contained therein. Anyone wish to establish that resolution? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Second. Discussion or questions? Second, Iowa City. 
You can fight later on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it can't be moved and seconded by yeah, the same entity. We'll do Mems per second. Any questions? If not, all those in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed? Motion carries. Next, resolution certifying compliance with federal requirements for conducting the urban transportation planning process in the Iowa City urbanized area. Anyone wish to establish that resolution? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Discussion or questions? If not, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Resolution passes. Consider performance measure target setting for the MPO as required by the Federal Highway Administration. Yeah, thank you. Kent Ralston, uh, Executive Director. Um, many of you that were on the board last November will remember that the board unanimously approved uh, the adoption of the state's safety targets uh, that were put before you. Uh, the Federal Highway Administration requires that we now uh, set those safety targets by February 27th of each year, so we'll be doing that again uh, this coming winter. Uh, at the November meeting, I also indicated to the board uh, that the current transportation legislation would require additional performance measures and votes on additional performance measures in the future, and that time has come. Uh, the additional measures to be considered now include pavement and bridge targets as well as system performance and freight targets. And you can see in the memo that was provided to you uh, what those Iowa DOT targets are. Uh, I should mention that in that, <clears throat> in that table, it refers to the NHS uh, system, that's the National Highway System. And for our area, that's 218 uh, and Highway 6 and 1 as they sort of crisscross through uh, our larger community. Uh, for each measure, and this is similar to what we did last November, uh, for each measure, we need to choose one of the following two options. We either need to adopt the state's targets and then um, discuss how we're supporting those in our TIP, which, which you all just approved, and then in our long-range plan that's due every five years, uh, or we can set our own quantifiable targets. Uh, the MPOs only need to adopt four-year targets, so that's in the second column in that table uh, at this point in time. Uh, similar to the adoption of safety targets last November, uh, our targets aren't really scrutinized by the Federal Highway Administration, but the DOTs are. Uh, that's just the way it works currently. It may not always be that way, uh, but that's the way it is today. And uh, also, as I mentioned with the safety targets that we adopted last November, uh, there aren't any current penalties or restrictions on how we can spend our funding if we're not programming projects to help either meet those DOT uh, targets that we would adopt today or our own quantifiable target that we would adopt uh, but that may change in the future the the idea typically with performance measures is if you're not meeting those measures then there's some sort of um, carrot for you to do so which would be possible restrictions and funding uh, those aren't in place today but they may be in the future uh, due to the uncertainties in the requirements for reporting, uh, the potential future penalties uh, for not meeting the targets and current time constraints, uh, I'm recommending we adopt the state's targets. The other reason I make that recommendation is that because uh, if you look at that list, uh, primarily we're talking about performance measures on the interstate and then the national highway system. Uh, largely, we don't maintain those for the most part. Uh, we do... Um, it, Certainly on the interstate, we don't have much involvement with in, in terms of funding um, or on 218. On Highway 6 and 1, um, we typically don't pay for the actual lane infrastructure, but we do pay for sewer, water, utilities, and that sort of thing. So primarily, we're really not involved uh, with the roadways themselves or responsible for the maintenance of them. Um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit counterintuitive that we would even set goals for those uh, roads in my mind. Um, having said that, I do recommend that we adopt the state's targets. And the good news is, is that should we choose either with the safety targets uh, that we adopted last November or with these targets, depending on how the conversation goes today, um, we have the ability every year to revisit this. And in fact, we will have to revisit this every year. And then if there is an inherent benefit to, to having goals and setting our own quantifiable goals, then we can do so at that time. Uh, the Transportation Technical Committee didn't hold a regular meeting in July. They typically don't because we, the TIP is our major item that, that we bring to you all, uh, and they've already seen the draft projects. But I did share uh, a very similar memo to them and did not receive any feedback from the Technical Advisory Committee uh, one way or the other. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you have. It's, it's a little bit of a convoluted thing that we have to do. Um, but again, I'm here for questions, and what we're looking for today is just uh, direction from you all to staff, and then we'll move forward as you see fit. Questions? 
more than will be relevant to this conversation. <laughs> so, convoluted is a great word. Yeah, it's uh, well, yeah. state targets sound good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's one of those things that even if you read some of the uh, there's some attached material here. There's an email from um, sort of my equivalent at the DOT, and and they'll even tell you we're not exactly sure what we're supposed to be doing yet. Um, it's not entirely uncommon, or actually, it's, it's very common for the transportation legislation that we're following to not have all the rules and regulations in place, as many of you probably know, by the time we actually have to do it. So, um, so a lot of times we're doing these things without really knowing what the DOT really needs or wants, but we, we do the best we can. I mean, other than the state targets, are there any other systems in place to evaluate uh, yeah, targets. yeah, there are. I mean, you know, when we go through our projects alone, we have uh, our criteria have a lot of targets in them. You know, there's um, safety targets or safety measures, I should say. Um, there are also measures for um, congestion and that sort of thing. So we're we're already sort of trying to do the right thing through our project selection, and then also in our long range plan uh, that was adopted last. Uh, I guess a year ago, May, from this board, uh, there's quite a few performance measures that we have in there. Now, we don't hold ourselves to any uh, penalties if we don't meet our goals, but certainly we've got a lot of goals and performance measures that we're trying to follow. Uh, anything from the environment to congestion to uh, safety on our roadways and those sorts of things. So it, it, I think largely we're doing all of these things anyway. Um, this just happens to be something that's required of us. Are you requiring an action? Just just a direction, yeah, no vote, but just direction, I think, from the board, whether we choose to go down the path of adopting the state's targets or, or coming up with our own. If we're setting our own quantifiable targets, uh, again, we don't need to have this done until November, but if we were gonna set our own targets, we would, of course, need time to go figure out what those targets would be and bring those back to you um, at your next meeting so we can get those done by November. So just as- State targets. Yes. State targets, state targets? okay, perfect. So it's a convoluted yes. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Update from Johnson County staff on significant transportation projects. We have Greg Parker here, our uh, county engineer. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Hi. Good evening, everybody. Uh, this kind of snuck up on me. You emailed me and said, hey, don't forget today. And I'm like, oh, I didn't have a time to tell So normally I prepare a PowerPoint for you all. Uh, but what I did provide to most everybody, I didn't bring enough copies with me, but if you can share it with your neighbor next to you. Okay. Uh, I have two sheets. <laughs> These two documents are on the Johnson County website from the secondary road. And the key thing to look at is that both of these documents have been approved and adopted by the Board of Supervisors, which is on annually and has to be submitted to the DOT on or before tax day, the 15th. So. Adopted, approved, are the most important things. If we have any draft documents on there, there could be changes to it. So that's the key thing. So I was asked to come and chat with you all about projects that we have ongoing that may be of interest to you. And this is, these documents are our five-year reconstruction program. So we're out a few years. Typically the first and the second year, pretty much etched in stone. The other ones out can change based on unknown factors that take place, financing and all kinds of different things, which you all are familiar with. Um, the way that the sheet is set up is that you have your five-year ID. If you look at the spreadsheet, they are tied to the map. So the five-year ID say 18A, and you go to the map, and 18A is, I've circled them, 18A is located here. This has, all of our projects over the five years on here, but 18A is located here. So you kind of get the gist of where they're located on the map. 18 means that those are programmed for summer of the 2018 construction year. So that's our goal. When this is set up, that's what our goal is. So um, the project name and number, that's general DOT stuff we're required to submit. The cost estimate for the project gives you the breakdown of what the costs are for the project. Uh, gives you the average annual daily traffic for that project on that section of the roadway and the length of the project, which should tie back to the cost. Longer, more expensive. Uh, okay, so 18A, Mahaffey Bridge Road Trail Project. I'm sure that all of you have driven along Mahaffey Road and seen that we are, we are doing construction out there. 
unfortunately, uh, we had hit some unforeseen, really poor soils out there for the retaining walls that need to be constructed for sections of the trail. So we have a little delay because we had to bring our soils engineer, geotechnical soils engineer, to do some design for us to revamp how we're going to install those walls because we do not want them to fail or crack. So we're in the process of getting that done. There will be a change within a week, hopefully within a week, and we should have that contractor back up and running quickly. Now we are going to be doing some paving on that coming up from North Liberty heading north. You'll see that happening, but we have some more walls, and unfortunately where we're installing a wall, we're having soil issues. So the problem with the soil is that the soils are that um, we're going to see a nine-inch drop of that material, so we're trying to figure out the best way to handle that. We're engineers, we'll figure it out, but it's just an unforeseen, unfortunate situation to hit us during construction. When you dig in the ground, sometimes things are just unknown. So we are proceeding with that. The end schedule timeline for that is still planned for this fall timeline. I, our goal is to complete it by the time snow falls, which won't be until a year from now or something, right? Uh, typically, November timeline for us. The next project, 18B. 18B is located this location on your map. So you'll see it. Uh, this is the Mahaffey, excuse me, the Ely Road, yeah, Ely Road Phase 4 of 5 project. So this is from Highway 382 north to 140th Street. If you've driven out that way, you've been by what we used to call or still called 600 acres at 140th. That's that location between those. So we actively have a contractor in there working now, and we are anticipating a typical completion timeline fall. So we're, we're good to go on that one. 18C, Highway 965, phase two of two. So this, somebody mentioned Highway 965, right? So this is our last section of Highway 965. And we, uh, I'm not gonna give the DOT a hard time, but we were informed in February that they are now booking a section of the railway, railway requirements, which is that we have to pay from the edge of our road if we have a rail that's close to it, which is the crane, we were talking about that tonight. So we have to pave over that. So we're working through those agreements right now. Yeah. You're talking about the part that goes like that? The from from the pave, current pavement to the railroad? Past the railroad tracks, correct. So have you ever seen it after a big rain? Well, all of those are, that's part of the design function. We didn't, initially we didn't think we had to pave through the railroad tracks. And this is where uh, Swan, no, yeah, Swan Lake program, yeah. Can, can you say that again? You're saying paid through the railroad tracks. What do you mean? Exactly? Yeah, okay, so where the edge of the west edge of Highway 965 is, when you turn left or right, whichever way you're going, and head west, you have the Cranick Railroad track running parallel with Highway 965 right. on the west side of the road. Right. So the guideline, which we were unaware of, is, and this is what the railroad companies lobbied, have done was that we, because of the proximity of those railroad tracks, they wanted the pavement to continue west and through the railroad tracks. So you, you pave a portion of Swan Lake Road, for example, in that intersection? Yes, okay. correct. Okay. Correct, and we were planning on doing that, and Cranick is probably the best railroad to work with, but I, their thought is to us, we don't want it, but it's a federal requirement, so we have to pave it. So we're working through those differences, and that unfortunately is stalling. How far do you have to pay beyond the tracks to the west? I, off the top of my head, I think it's 50 or 60 feet. Okay. And, you know, quite frankly, it's all about safety. Uh, the reason that they wanted this, I think you have seen in the news recently where we've had some crashes at railroad crossings on county roads where motor graders have had a bad incident. So, getting on the track, trying to pull the rock back, and unfortunately focusing more on what their job is instead of looking left and right for the road tracks. I mean, things happen. We get busy. Uh, we would never want that to happen, but that's happened several <coughs> times throughout the state recently, and that's the purpose for the paving. So, agreement will be coming forward with our board of supervisors to approve shortly, so we're working through that diligently to try to get that on, on track for this year of construction. Is that going to hold up the Swan Lake Road bridge? Nope. 
Swan Lake is proceeding very nicely, uh, which would be just west of this location. So did I hear um, you say that you're still planning to try to do this this year yet? Well, we, our goal is to try to accomplish construction with 965 from North Liberty up to the uh, bridge this year. It may or may not happen. We don't know yet. Okay. So regardless, we're still going to let the project when we can. And uh, if we don't get the construction done, maybe we get the inner layer surface completed this year and finish it next spring. So we're all of that is kind of we're juggling yep. all of those specifics at this point. Good, Good questions. Thank you. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, Swan Lake Road, I mean, it's a little project, little bridge project that's on schedule. We should have that completed within the next 30. We have multiple bridges we're working on. Um, if anybody has driven west on a manor road, west of Highway 965, all the way up to the county line, we're doing a box project out there, or reinforced concrete box. It's moving along good. We're anticipating that to be done within the next 30 to 45 days. So we'll be opening up traffic for those guys. Um, Strawbridge Road is a fall letting. I'm running through 18G, 18H. Rapid Creek Road, we just ex opened and accepted bids. So we're going to be meeting with the um, contractor to get that rolling. I don't know if you know, Rapid Creek Road was reduced down to one lane last year due to an inspection. And, you know, we just things happen with these bridges. They're old. And, and uh, if we have trucks that are driving, unfortunately overloaded on them it, it further deteriorates them in a faster state so it's good that we caught it but wasn't on our horizon so we had to move that project up and cover expenses for that so that's that's going to be the fall construction we will have that open hopefully before the snow flies again oh crest hill road that's been on our program for several years this is a new box that was installed south of hills. Is anybody doing ride track? Are you riding, driving? So you'll run it. You won't even know you're running track. It's so smooth. It's, it's a great project. So we're very happy to have that accomplished completed prior to ride track because that's the official route coming up in the hills. Completed, done, very nice project. Um, IWV Road 18J. We are in the process of this construction project, construction repaving project, and it sounds as though we're going to start paving in September. That's kind of the general timeline at this point. So we, once we get the paving done, you know, you have all the ancillary activities that you have to complete to get the road open to traffic. But you know, it should be our standard timeline, October, November timeline. So that's what's happening in 2018. Did you? Oh. A big one, another big project that the board was fantastic to work with on this was to get the Highway 923, and this is in front of the Johnson County Fairgrounds. So that will be, we're in the process of design for that, so that will be redone next summer, and most of you probably drive that or been on it. How you get the Crest Hill Road and head south to hills. So, any questions for me on projects? Just a comment. I love this map, you know it, I've told you that many times. I think it's genius the way it's laid out and um, maybe not everybody realized the color coding over here, you might want to talk about that. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Okay, so every year we have three different colors except for the last two years. Uh, the white, which is, you know, paper color, those are projects that are would be part of our federal funding or local funding or front of market funding or general fund sources that we have. The green projects, those are bond funded projects that the board approves and uh, those are specific fund sources. They're let locally but they are bond funded projects. The purple or lavender color, the three below that, those are projects that our maintenance staff uh, work on every summer. So we try to get two to three projects a year in that we can go out and regrade gravel roads. Most of you probably have driven Taft south of Peru Highway. There's a section that was just reseal coated. So our staff went in there and rebuilt that mile section of roadway before it was seal coated. So those are the things that, that our staff do and we generally have a lot of activities I mean, we have 950 miles of road, 700 miles of road, so we have lots of responsibility up there. And the board does a fantastic job of funding everything that everybody uses up here. So. 
I was just going to add too that uh, the county actually can apply for MPO funds and the Manhattan Bridge Trail project has some MPO funding in it. So inside of our growth boundary, um, which in that location is the river, uh, the county can and does receive MPO funding through that same competitive process. So I think that's the only project that had MPO funding that, that Greg mentioned. But You're right, yeah. it is. And if you look at the breakdown of the cost estimate, that's the top project 18A. We're receiving $1.257 million in federal funds for that. So it is a break between the MPO and our EC Cock funds. Correct. Yeah. Greg, there's two other uh, colors on the spreadsheet, yellow and orange. Can you explain those? Yellow, yes, thank you. Yellow are the projects that were added when it was approved by the board. So this is part of the static dynamic part of it. It's, it's dynamic until it's approved, but it's static after it gets approved. And annually, some of these yellow lines can change based on a bridge that whatever, we had problems getting right away, or we had archaeological issues we had to deal with, or a whole litmus list of activities that can stall or, or postpone projects. Funding could be one of them as well. So, yeah, thank you. And then the orange is gas tax? Uh, yes, correct. Another color. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, uh, yes, you know that the, the state legislation passed a gas tax increase and, you know, it, we're through the system now. We've been through it enough to see what our general annual income is going to be from that. But the board has asked us to continually include where those expenses are being expended, and we'll continue that as part of our budget. So that shows you where those specific gas tax dollars are being expended. And then there's one more color. There's one pink. <laughs> um, Curtis oh, Bridge Road. Special, special, special. Bond project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lots of colors. Maybe I should have a legend though. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. Yeah, okay. We'll Next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, special bond monies for the Curtis Bridge Road project. So, another bond project. Yeah, uh, we've been getting a lot of heat from the residents, the county residents that live south of Shueyville, but to get anywhere they have to come up Curtis Bridge Road into Shueyville. Well, that road is actually Shueyville's road, and we've gone back and forth for my entire time on the board with Shueyville and we finally come to a resolution where we are going to uh, pave it and then turn over the jurisdiction is that pretty much we're giving it we're going to do the road and said now it's yours. And we've, and we've had twice, I've, I've been on two and a half years, and twice we've had bridges that yes. needed to be moved up because where they were on here didn't address their immediate needs. So 965. We, we tried to get the best bang for the buck, so to speak, on our bridges, and a couple, the past couple of years, I think we've been cutting it right at the edge where we I mean, that's why we do the inspections of our bridges. Everybody does it. Every city, everybody does it. And, and uh, that's why we do that. So that is the telltale of what the condition of the structure is. So sometimes we have to close them, and sometimes we say we're in schedule to replace it as it has been approved. So one thing is that we're very fortunate to be living in a, in a fast-growing county with a growing tax base. There's a lot of counties out there that are shrinking, and when they have bridges that go out, they stay out sometimes. They're embargoed and there's a permanent detour. They just don't have the money to fix some of the bridges. So, you know, uh, we have 960 miles of roads and everybody, uh, the most important piece of road for everybody is the quarter mile each side of their house, okay? <laughs> and so they think that's the most important, but we got 959 and a half miles of other roads to take care of as well. And we tried to triage them, you know, they do a great job of inspecting the bridges, but every now and then something happens uh, in between and we, we have to shift it on the five-year road plan. And like 965, sometimes it's not even on the five-year road plan. It just, something happens and you gotta, gotta think fast and, and fund it fast. So, thanks, Greg. And we have 230 bridges. <laughs> lots, lots of stuff out there, lots of responsibility. The board's been very good with funding this stuff. Questions? Any other questions or comments? Thanks, thanks you guys for pulling my comments. Thank you. This is an excellent report. Thank thanks, you. Greg. Appreciate that. Yeah. I'm glad to always come. Thanks, thanks Greg. And I guess I'll see you next time. Thanks, Greg.
Can you send this in electronic form to all of the cities if you haven't already? I think this would be pretty cool to send to our council. Absolutely not a problem. Okay. It is also available on our website if you want Realize to go that, that yeah. route. So it's, Sometimes we have to be spoon-fed this stuff. Yeah, no so, problem. We're, yeah. we're with you. I'll make sure that Ken yeah. gets a copy Thank of you. That yeah, we'll send it out. Yeah, I, I do apologize for, I didn't know how many people were going to be here. I made 12 copies, so I, you know, two board members already have it. If anybody here. wants this, <laughs> does anybody want it so that I, doesn't have it? I've got one in my office. <laughs> Thank you for your time. And enjoy the rest of your summer. Have a good time, right? The very next week, right? County Fair and then Rad Fair is coming through, so lots of exciting stuff. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Greg. Thank your staff uh, as well. Update from DOT District 6 staff. Welcome. Thank you. My name is uh, Helen I'm the area engineer for the area of DOT. I sympathize with Greg about the railroad diagnostic uh, uh, review. That's uh, something new we implemented. I guess any project which has federal funding, we have to do a uh, diagnostic review for safety and ride uh, uh, smooth ride and uh, the condition of, of the railroad. So uh, we are on the same boat. We have to yeah. do it too. So it's, uh, all of us, I guess. Uh, I don't know exactly how it was uh, came together, but it is uh, uh, statewide. And we every time we have a problem with the federal funds, we have to go through the diagnostic review, and that is a combined effort between the uh, local entity or the state and the railroad, and then they combine their efforts to upgrade that railroad to the best of its condition, I guess, uh, for safety and, and uh, smoothness. Well, I'm here to, I guess, uh, answer any questions you might have about the projects in, in Johnson County and around this area. I will just go through a quick uh, review of uh, the projects which we have on, uh, on our uh, list, I guess, and then uh, answer your questions. I will start, I guess, with the projects which we are doing a flur of, of multiple projects because of the I-80, I-380 project coming up, or already started, like, actually. But I'll start with the other projects and then finish up with the I-80, I-380 project. The biggest project which we have uh, uh, relating to the I-80, I-380 is the Forever Green Road Interchange. The Forever Green Road Interchange is under construction. The grading has been finished 50% uh, up to date for the grading of the ramps. We are uh, planning to finish grading the ramps this year and then paving them next year in 2019. The Forever Green Road itself is uh, supposed to be done around the interchange area this year. So they will be paving uh, uh, on the vicinity. The bridge uh, is under construction. Is, uh, they are putting the rails as we speak. The bridge should be done soon. And the, uh, the Forever Green Road, uh, the west side of it will be done this year. The section in, of the Forever Green Road within the urban area where there's houses in North Liberty, that uh, project will be led in October and will be constructed uh, the spring and summer of next year. And that's what should be done uh, by the end of uh, next year. Uh, we have some projects that, like we are improving 965 in Coralville and North Liberty. I guess the section in our part is at the intersection of 965 and I-80. We are adding turn lanes and improving capacity at that location. That project is 45% uh, finished, and we are expecting it to be done this year, at the end of the construction season this year. Uh, we finished uh, paving the shoulders on US 6 between Tiffin and Coralville. We finished a section of uh, Highway 6 in Coralville between the uh, uh, Clear Creek and uh, the uh, Iowa City uh, corporate limit, and that is done com almost completed. Uh, might be some minor change uh, finishes on the uh, sidewalks and, and, and ramps. Um, we have two other projects in Iowa City uh, on that on Governor Street northbound, and that is uh, uh, as I guess mentioned, that is a city-sponsored project. It's a cooperative project between the DOT and the city. The city taking the lead on that project and the construction will be starting soon and we are hoping to get that done this year. It's between, I guess the section on Burlington Street is already finished, but the section between Burlington Street and the end of the one-way pair would be under construction this year, but that road would be open to traffic at one lane uh, most of the time. Well, Newman, is that mostly just an overlay? It's mostly a repair and overlay. Yeah, uh, there will be some patching, uh, some utility work, uh, there will be some ADA upgrades, uh, and also we are uh, uh, introducing a bicycle lane on the, on, on the road. Uh, the road is uh, 
we are reducing the lanes to 11 foot and then that will give, uh, give us uh, seven additional feet. We'll have a two foot buffer and then five foot uh, bicycle lane. And the city of ISC wants to do the same thing on the southbound, even though the southbound is uh, in need of repair also, but uh, that will be done also on the southbound Dodge, Dodge Street. Yeah. Great. The other part uh, within the Iowa City is the continuation of your six uh, from Coral coming to Iowa City Riverside Drive. And that project also is a repair project with, with patching, uh, uh, curb uh, uh, repairs, and upgrade, ADA upgrades, and uh, HMA overlay. That project will be done at night and it should not impact uh, traffic as much. It will be reduced down to two lanes uh, uh, during the night. Um, the Myrtle intersection will be closed for adding additional turn lanes and signals uh, at, at that location, and that also is uh, underway right now. Contractors are ordering signals, and it will be implemented hopefully at uh, the end of this construction season. The IATI 380 project is uh, underway actually, even though you might not see much, but we've uh, been working on utilities. We look at utilities around the interchange. We are working on uh, clearing and grubbing. The, the major uh, project will be led uh, uh, actually at the end of this month. So I have, uh, maybe I'll just, uh, if you would pass those on. This is uh, the 2019 construction uh, uh, on, in the area. We have projects led basically on the northeast quadrant and the southwest quadrant, in addition to relocating Kansas Avenue uh, in the southwest quadrant uh, within the city of Pippin and maybe part of the, uh, impacting the county because the county maintains that road. And uh, those uh, projects will be led uh, at the end of 31st of this month. And in addition to that, we also will be letting the uh, paving for the ramps on Forever Green Road. If you go to our website, iowa.dot.gov backslash i80-i380, uh, you'll find the, the year by year uh, construction for all the projects between now and 2024. However, uh, we are trying to advance, I guess, accelerate the project. We applied for a, an infra grant, a gold grant uh, from the federal government, and uh, we are uh, anticipating uh, to be awarded $50 million to accelerate the construction of the IAP I380 project. Uh, Within, uh, I guess, uh, uh, the, the coming uh, coming years, uh, already, I guess, 19 uh, is is being led at the end of this uh, month. Uh, 2020 also is pretty much set. We might be able to accelerate some projects from 21 into 20 and try to move projects uh, uh, sooner. Try to compact the construction and reduce the construction years by two years if possible. That has not uh, that is uh, award that grant has not been awarded yet, but we are anticipating it to be awarded. And uh, we haven't uh, finished all the details as far as um, uh, rescheduling all the projects because those projects do impact traffic, and there, there will be some. Uh, uh, we are expecting some delays uh, during the uh, the heavy years of the construction uh, w within the corridor, and uh, we are trying to mitigate uh, the uh, uh, impact. I guess the delays by informing employers by implementing a bus service between Iowa City and. Uh, the rabbits, uh, among other uh, other initiatives, we are trying to implement to get the people at least to be aware that there will be delays, and if there's uh, that's part of our improvements for 965 Porridge Avenue uh, into I guess uh, the North Liberty changed the name to uh, something else I guess for 965 Ranchalway. Ranchalway. Yeah. So that I guess the, the, the uh, alternative routes will, will be able to carry some of the traffic possibly during some of the incidents uh, which might happen on, on the uh, interchange. So that is a kind of a summary, I guess. Uh, the First Avenue in Coralville is approved for uh, what we call DDI, Divergent Diamond Interchange. And uh, we've been uh, in communication with the city of Coralville to, uh, ex uh, to, I guess, to start the design process for that project and make it a shelf-ready project where we can, if we have a chance for advancing, uh, uh, if there's funds available or there's a chance to advance that project, that project could be advanced if it is already designed. The concept for it is already approved and uh, 
and, uh, and uh, accepted by, I guess, the federal government and the DOT. Just sorting out the details is the, is the uh, stage now. And we don't have a program in the next five years, but as I mentioned, we are working with the state of Bell to get it designed and then try to advance it when possible. Uh, in addition to that, we are looking at I8, I380 between, uh, I guess, the existing project, six lanes, I380 between I80 and halfway between Forever Green Road and Penn Street. So about three miles north of I80. That will be expanded from two lanes currently to three lanes in each direction with this current project in the next five years, basically. However, we are looking at the rest of, the, of I380 between uh, for Rio, basically, all the way to Highway 30, and that is a planning study and some program. So we are evaluating our what is there. We are just doing an environmental study at this point to find out what is uh, surrounding the I380 corridor and what are our options uh, for improvement. In addition to that, I guess we are looking at I80 as a major corridor between Iowa City and the Mississippi River. Two of those sections are already programmed. The section between Iowa City, just east of Highway 1 and uh, West Branch is the program to start construction in 2021. And that's, uh, 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 that section, I guess, would be improved from, three lane, uh, from uh, four lanes to six lanes, uh, similar to what we see in Iowa City. However, as part of it would be uh, uh, built to the median uh, and then uh, up to, I guess, uh, local road or Herbertower Highway interchange. And then east of Herbertower Highway, it will be diverged to have an open median, which is the preference for the DOT when that's possible uh, for, for maintenance and for cost purposes. The second section on I-80, which will be also, uh, which we are designing, is the section from the Cedar River to the Scott County line. And that is also under design right now for the same thing. For we will be uh, expanding the bridges and rebuilding the road, uh, or expanding the road to uh, six lanes. So those are kind of the projects in this area which are, could affect this area, I guess, on IAT outside the Johnson County area, of course. But uh, uh, yeah, that, I guess that's kind of what was going on with the DOT, and I'll be glad to answer any of your questions if you have any. Uh, Newman, um, is it the DOT's uh, plan to uh, expand I-80 all the way across the state to three lanes minimum? And at this point, uh, we have the section between Iowa City and the Mississippi River as a priority corridor. Okay. And that is uh, uh, our plan. Yeah. However, the rest of I-80, we have a planning study going on. And there is a meeting in Des Moines uh, for that coming up, I think, on Tuesday, coming next week. Uh, and that will be looked at as a corridor for the whole state. And that will determine the need of I-80 and what would be done with I-80. Thank you. Jim, uh, a comment and then a couple questions. Uh, my first is the comment. You already know this, but I'll just say it out loud. Northbound 380 at the 530 peak off-ramp at Penn Street is every day basically backed up onto the freeway. Mm -hmm. And what vehicles are doing is just parking on the shoulder so that both lanes can continue through. And, and I think it's just a huge accident waiting to happen there. Uh, Just to uh, answer that question, part of the study between I uh, between the for Evergreen Road and Highway 30, we look at the interchanges and we look at the needs for improving those interchanges, and that is part of that study for I 380. Does it include the bridge? It does include the whole interchange, okay. the bridge, the ramps, and everything. That's the question. Um, and then question about the bus between Cedar Rapids, Iowa City. Where does that stand? You mentioned it. Is it? Is it programmed? Is there routes already established or frequencies or anything like that? I don't know Brad can maybe answer that more, more accurately than I am. It is Actually, programmed and it's going to be starting in October, but I think yeah. Brad might have more details. We just met uh, yesterday uh, to go over um, who we would recommend to do the service, so we made a recommendation to the DOT. Uh, it's hopeful to start by October. Um, the, the routes are pretty much set, 30 minutes. Uh, 30 minute headway uh, in the peak times. Um, it, the stops are, uh, have been located, but some we still need to tweak it a little bit here and there. Uh, and there were some good suggestions from the bus companies as well as you know, little tweaks. So, But that should be up and running by October. And is there a fare 
it'll be three dollars and fifty cents each way. And of course, that uh, the the project is covered by the DOT, the it's so it's subsidized by the DOT for the duration of the project, the eighty-three project, and these five years. And the MPO's involvement largely has been the planning effort, so Brad was asked to sit in on the kind of the scoring of the proposals and that sort of thing. It is part of the IEDI 280 project. The IEDI project is funding that uh, that initiative uh, for the bus, and uh, the details are worked out between locals and uh, the state as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I my understanding that it will be running between downtown and downtown. Yes. And there will be a few stops in between. Three stops in between. Few. I don't know. Well, it'll, few. there'll be a stop downtown Iowa City, University, Corville. Um, Kirkwood and Cedar Rapids, and then downtown Cedar Rapids. We we had to narrow down a lot of the stops just so it was a shorter route. I mean, it's going to be close to an hour one way. Seems so. too many already. To me. Yeah. So we had to narrow it down. So it's downtown Cedar Rapids, Kirkwood. Uh, we did not stop in North Liberty originally. We wanted to, uh, but just time constraints uh, wouldn't allow it. Uh, the Intermodal Center in Corville. Uh, we'll have a stop, and then um, I think the stop on Newton Road with the university, and possibly the uh, transit facility by Kennedy. We'll have to work that out. That might be a better place. And then we'll go to Court Street downtown. This seems like to be an express route and attractive. The fewer stops, the better. I know that yeah. means people have to converge somewhere to get to it, but. Of course, in order to be, as we all know, in the transit world, you want to be convenient or else it's not going to be. And I think they understand most of the ridership will be coming this way as opposed to going to Cedar Rapids initially. In, in the morning, most of your, the, for jobs, it'll be the university. I'm running the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Iowa City and work in the Oh, there you go. <laughs> But you're right, Brad. I guess the majority of people. We are hoping that there will be a ridership uh, on this uh, on this project to sustain it and uh, and continue with it. Uh, the project is just a pilot project, and we might be able to continue on. I guess the I380 project is going to continue between Farmington Road up to Highway 30, and there might be congestions also. And this uh, tool is is uh, helping out in the uh, with the transportation. We will, might continue with it, but that's not been determined yet. Any other questions? Just one follow-up question to Jim's comment. You said that the Penn Street and bridge and at intersection was part of the corridor study up to Highway 30. When will that study happen and what time in the future are you anticipating making any changes based upon those recommendations in that study? From my perspective, the sooner the better. I see that Highway 380 is uh, reaching capacity right now. But, uh, uh, through traffic and especially for uh, uh, Penn, Penn Street. Right. However, I guess our study I think is supposed to be sunset toward the end of this year okay. to, to finalize within within a year from now at least. Okay. And then the project is not programmed, so we have to look for opportunities to program the project when we determine what are the uh, appropriate uh, so, uh, solutions to the current uh, uh, challenges. So uh, you, you, you normally go in five years uh, out into the future for these types of programming changes? So the five years of this, time for the five-year program. Right, but any changes on that corridor won't happen within five years. They'll be part of the, like, Correct. the, the chunk of time beyond that. Correct. Okay. Correct. And there's other priorities uh, competing as well. Yeah. So there's no guarantee that's going to happen five years from now. Right. Right. And how does the funding work, say, like on the interchange? The, what's the overall cost of the project and who pays for it? Uh, the, I don't know the, the um, each interchange have its own criteria and its own cost. Say, say the I-380 interchange, the big one. The big one is different than uh, Penn Street and Farber Green Road, and, and, and that one is uh, about $370 million. $370 million uh, and and who's paying, where's the money coming from for that? The money is partly federal and partly state, and I, I'm thinking it's 80%, 20%, but don't quote me on that. It's uh, something that uh, we got $50 million grant to accelerate the project. That was, so that will save the state portion of, of that contribution, I guess, because it's federal grant for that project. Uh, the, uh, 
for every euro that is changed roughly is about $25 million project uh, for us. $370 million is a lot of money. But they have to build those flyover bridges, and that's probably the most expense. But if people just slow down. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, uh, we, have, we have lots of traffic going through that interchange. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, commerce and commuters. I guess we have uh, 15,000 trucks per day going on, the, on that interchange. Yeah. We have 90,000 vehicles going on the interchange right now. And we are expecting those numbers to uh, increase significantly in the next uh, decade or two. And the current uh, uh, geometrics will not accommodate the, uh, the future track. Any other questions or comments? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Anyone on the board uh, have anything they want to add on their other business? I had just one quick thing. Um, Kingsley Botchway, for those that don't know, has resigned from the city council uh, at the meeting last night, it's my understanding. He took a job in Waterloo. Uh, Kingsley had been on the board for, I believe, five years. Uh, and was an integral part of the board. And I just wanted to thank him publicly, although he's not here, uh, for his time on the on the MPO board. Anything else? Thank you for your time and attention. We are adjourned. <laughs>